Riverdale premiered on January 26th, 2017 on the CW. Let's put 46 minutes on the clock. Pilot study with Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows. But only the pilot episode that means the first show. In case you didn't know. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study. My name is Chris Lantinen and I'm joined today by two very special guests, both making their first Pilot Study appearances. First up, he hosts the Modern Vinyl Podcast with yours truly. He's the managing editor of news at Modern Vinyl. It's James Cassar. Welcome, James. <laughs> it's good to be here, Chris. It's early. But that did not stop our next guest. She's the co-host of the Misaligned Podcast. We're keeping it all in the MV family today. She is the managing editor of Features at Modern Vinyl. It's Megan Moore. Welcome, Megan. Hello there. Sorry, I was getting a little caught up there. I need some more coffee. Welcome to the both of you. (laughs) Today we are doing Riverdale and a pilot episode titled Chapter One, The River's Edge, which is where we discover a dead body in an obvious Twin Peaks nod and where our central mystery kicks into high gear. So to get into this, I actually wanted to go to you first, James, because you actually read the Archie's co- the Archie comics. Yeah. Um, Riverdale, if you do not know, listeners, is a gritty reboot of these comics. It is the Archie got hot and got rippling abs storyline. So tell me, James, how did you get into the Archie comics, um, and what did you see here that... Uh, matched up with tone and where were the alterations in tone and kind of character okay um so archie comics my grandmother has a room in her house that's just full wall to wall with archie comics um she had eight kids so she kind of raised her kids on archie comics because i believe she was also raised on archie comics archie has been around since 1941 uh so yeah that would that would match up the timelines check out. But uh, really, the tone here is a lot different than the traditional Archie comic, because really Archie comics as a whole is kind of like hetero white bread. You know, it's not edgy at all. But then a few years ago, Archie comics debuted the new look series, which kind of matches the uh, live action look of the Riverdale. Um, you know, the characters look more photorealistic there's some more chisel and grit, not necessarily their abs, but in their facial features. And uh, there's a little edgier material. I think when I was reading one of the Jughead reboots, there was a similar mystery to unfold. And uh, the Archie gang's been solving mysteries for years, but uh, this is a lot darker than what I'm used to. And uh, now it's in, it's very different. In the new comics, that's when they introduced Kevin, right? Who is a, who's a character here? I am not familiar with Kevin. I just figured he was an invented character for the sake of the show. I, th- I um, think he's been in one of the newer runs of the of the comics, and I also think there's like a is there like a zombie run that's coming out or something like that. There has been a similar thing to that called Archie's Weird Mysteries. I don't. I think there is a zombie one coming out. Um, I actually visited the uh, Archie Comics factory in New York, and they were working on all sorts of stuff, including promo for Riverdale. So I think they're trying to diversify and get out of the uh, 
hetero white bread. <laughs> Megan, uh, were you an Archie comics reader at all? I mean, or did you just kind of stumble across them like I did on Bubblegum and shit like that? <laughs> <laughs> I basically stumbled upon them. Unlike James, I didn't really spend a good portion of my like childhood growing up reading them. <gasps> <laughs> damn I you dramatic gasp how dare you i have read them occasionally and not just on bubblegum these weren't your typical bazooka joe characters and going back to what you were just saying about kevin i did a little research into these characters because i did want to see some of the television similarities between the actual comics and that's when i discovered that kevin is in fact a new character that was introduced in one of the comic series and i think that was either in 2010 or 2012 okay something about those years is just rang out to me but he was introduced in the archie universe as the first openly gay character Hmm. so they've continued that in through the television series as well now james Tell me about Jughead, because we don't get a ton of Jughead, and I don't even really believe we get his name in this pilot episode. I, I always thought Jughead was like a bully or like mm-hmm. a antagonist for Archie. It seems no. like they're establishing them as like good friends, and the only thing I've heard about Jughead is that, oh, he didn't eat a cheeseburger, so he eats burgers, I guess. That's so thing. Jughead, the story behind Jughead is that Jughead and Archie in the comics are best friends, okay. and Jughead loves to eat. And he, I guess this plays off in the show because Jughead is super intelligent and he never gains weight from all the stuff he eats because his brain works at such a high speed that he (laughs) metabolizes all the food. And I I really don't understand this interpretation of the Jughead character. Um, Cole Sprouse plays him, which Mm -hmm. I think works here, but... um, I don't know. He's a writer. He's like a a old fiction guy. Yeah, he serves as the narrator of the story. And it also turns out that he is kind of narrating as he's writing this book. And, you know, I love Riverdale because apparently it's extremely accepting to, like, artistic weird kids. Because (laughs) nobody is, like, everybody's just totally cool with him saying that he's writing his novel. Which, you know, in high school, nobody would ever be cool with that. They would definitely be cool with you. And um, then Archie's just playing his music, like, in the middle of lunch. And, and Veronica's like, dropping all these like play references and stuff, and I'm every, like, yeah, everybody's like totally into it. And Archie also knows about Truman Capote. Like these kids know their um, their their theater and things of that nature. Of the secrets we hold, I want to be with. Can I join? Yeah. What are we doing? Listening to one of Archie's songs. I thought we were going to have to pretend to like it, but it's actually really good. Wait, that was you singing? Something you wrote? It's rough. No, it's great. It's incredible, actually, the little snippet I heard. You know, Meg, I, I, w- I wanted to ask you, you're kind of our teen drama expert on this panel. <laughs> And um, my my big question for you is, do you think this show would pop off like it has if it didn't have the Archie connection? 
like is the murder and the characters themselves that they've set up enough because really the only thing they've pulled from Archie at the pilot stage are names and basic relationships. I'm not sure. I mean, or is this, or, big, or is it pretty cookie cutter without the Archie stuff there? My big reference to teen dramas is back in the mid 2000s. So the OC gossip girl, um, one tree Hill essentially. And the newer generations of teen dramas, such as Pretty Little Liars, I've just never really gotten into. Pretty Little Liars did incorporate a lot of mystery, from what I understand. Yeah. And a lot of people are just eating that up right now. People are looking for something more dramatic and not something as ridiculous and soap opera-y as, say, The O.C., I mean, I rewatched The O.C. recently, and I realized, wow, this was more of a soap opera than an actual teen drama. Where's the juicy drama? Where's the juicy scandals that where, weren't where just Where are involving- the dead bodies? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if I'd like to chime in real quick, I know nothing of teen drama, but I, I think the Archie properties save this from being cookie cutter. Um, maybe that's just my familiarity with everyone, but, um, I don't know. I feel like it also tries too hard at parts to be edgy or be like a break in the mold. Um, yeah, the, the Betty Draper references in particular. Get is a that little, like a Mad Men thing? Yeah, she's a Mad Men character and season one Betty Draper is like a former model and, a very beautiful housewife and then i believe it's season four betty draper that they reference as she season is five i think she's gained weight uh they actually like put weight on her through like a fat suit type of deal like in that season season five and i can't remember what the actual purpose is i think she's like supposed to be depressed or something but yeah, so they, they they add weight to her and that's that's the that's what they say that betty looks like right yeah. I've never seen Mad Men, so I can't it's just, really... It's weird when they pepper in all these, like, quote-unquote high culture references into a comic series that's about going to, like, the chocolate shop and <laughs> Archie being torn between Betty and Veronica the entire time. Like, yeah. it's not like, oh, we're going to drop in all these... I, I don't know. I think the head nodding and the winking is a little too much. I mean, I think some of it's funny, like the meta commentary on how like Archie got hot they actually like have to say that considering that was kind of like the press in the show in the run up to it like people were using that term to describe the show I I do like that kind of meta commentary where they reference that they understand kind of the the ridiculousness of the plot I can't remember exactly what Kevin says after that something about riding the riding the red-haired stallion or like something like that basically betty fucking archie game changer archie got hot he's got abs now six more reasons for you to take that ginger bull by the horns tonight well the best uh reference to that is veronica's like i've tasted every flavor of boy but orange (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean they i think at times yes they do try a little hard to like sex it up and i think that leads us into miss grundy so james Uh, i know you have big thoughts about the uh, grundy alterations who in the comics is a very white-haired is she still a music teacher no she's like a i think she's a math teacher okay but she's really 
Because I've been actually watching more of the show, and she definitely seems more of a music teacher well, than the, anything in else. The, in the show, she's a music teacher, but in the comic strips, I'm asking James. Uh, he's no, saying she's, she's not, a math teacher. She's more of a general ed, like biology. She's just the teacher. teacher. Yeah, she's been yeah. basically in the comics. She's the teacher in the entire series. Like, there's a offshoot series called Little Archie, and she's still their teacher. So this is like K through twelve. And she's never this hot. No, this is what bothered <laughs> me is when she was introduced. Yeah. And then immediately after, like, Archie and Grundy get uh, physical or whatever, I'm just like, get hold steamy. on. Hold on. James. This is not the Miss Grundy I know and love. Like, James, this is... you know the sex is great when it's in the woods and the and the windows steam up. You know it's great. Yeah, so what? <laughs> but it, it's still a crime, unfortunately. And this yeah. is this is something that they do in the very first episode of Pretty Little Liars. And even then, because my girlfriend watched Pretty Little Liars like three years ago or something, so I was kind of like in the vicinity when she was uh, binging it. Don't lie, you watched the whole thing. Yeah, I loved it. No, um, <laughs> but in, anyways, in the first episode, they do they establish this um, teacher student relationship, and it's and it's by mistake. Like she doesn't know he's a teacher, but then as she realizes that they continue their relationship. So here we have a teacher who knows the student is the student. So it's probably even worse. And James, why did it, why did that bug you? Why did the Miss Grundy revelation bug you? It's just like that. If it was in any other context, people would be like, Whoa, like this is not okay. And here, like taking these characters from Riverdale for the most part, you know, everyone's really nice in the Archie universe. Like, no one really does anything wrong except for the characters that are supposed to. Like, the moral dilemmas are pretty black and white. Here, it's just like, oh, man, you tried way too hard to create tension and did it in this weird thing that is totally taboo. Whereas when Betty and Veronica kiss, it's, like, normalized. Mm. And, like, you know, I'm not saying either is, you know, put on a scale of, taboo weirdness but i i think like the show draws that line right there like that whole faux lesbian kiss scene is immediately discredited by cheryl blossom as you know you know it hasn't been taboo since 1994 and then grundy and archie are you know together it, it's just it's very weird to me the moral compass of this show is kind of tilted in a weird direction megan what did you think about miss grundy oh my god <laughs> I actually, there's a whole lot I want to talk about this particular subject. The show itself has much more sexual tension between characters than I am actually used to seeing in a teen drama. This is something on par with actual adult dramas on TV. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? This is a show for teenagers? What? But then again, I realized that everything is over-sexualized these days. And that might have something to do with it. I knew going into the show that there would probably be the Archie Betty Veronica love triangle. And oh my God, was not expecting this whole Miss Grundy wrench just thrown into the situation. It's a square now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Weird square. But it's interesting to see this teacher student sexual relationship portrayed because I don't think they actually say how old the students are. Yeah, it's like the perks of being a wallflower problem. Everyone in this show looks like they're 25, and you're just like, <laughs> you're supposed to be in high school. 
Yeah, and well, that that really becomes an issue in later seasons because right now they're sophomores. I'm pretty sure Betty's a sophomore, <laughs> yeah. and her oh, fucking yeah. like insane mom. Who I have a, a crazy theory on her mom here, but I want to I want to table that until the end so you guys can process that over several days. <laughs> but <laughs> Betty says that they're sophomores, and I'm like, okay, so they at least have two or three more seasons of Archie where they're in high school, and by that point they'll be. Because I think um, one is 20, I believe, which isn't too, too bad. Yeah, Lily Reinhardt, who plays Veronica, she's only 20. So I guess 25 by the time they finish up those three, four seasons. And that's that's, going to be old by the end. That's going to be like uh, Adam Brody level. Well, he's still adorable. (laughs) But, you know, my thoughts on... He's pretty old by the end, though. You know my thoughts on Seth Cohen. Right. But KJ Appa, who plays Archie... I believe is 22. Yeah, so he'll, he'll be old. Yeah, and on top of that, that is not his natural hair color. It doesn't look all. like it. He had to, he um, to, he had to bleach diet. his eyebrows, right? Yeah, he Oof. has to dye it every two weeks since his hair grows that fast. That's so He's dope. He's of Samoan <laughs> descent, so cool. that's, that's pretty cool. But, I mean, if you're Samoan, you've got the dark hair. You don't typically look like an Archie. Yeah, you look like The Rock. <laughs> yeah. This is what uh, Teen Vogue said about Miss Grundy. She said, I knew who Miss Grundy was, and she was definitely not the same Miss Grundy that we have on our show. So that was surprising for me. Excuse me, this is KJ himself talking about this. And they say, it's definitely not the first time a teen show has tackled the pairing and not an insignificant uh, illegality of a student-teacher relationship. One of Pretty Little Liars, the longest standing couple, started with a similar abuse of power. And it's interesting that they put abuse of power there at the end. They kind of sneak that in. And, of course, we know that Teen Vogue is doing, like, actual journalistic good work lately. And, you know, I really think that that's what a lot of these relationships should more be portrayed as. Like, every time we see a teacher who has been having sex with a student every day for, like, two years and gets arrested... Of course, they look like huge dirt balls. Like, <laughs> it's their mugshot, of course, and they just look like scumbags regardless. But it's like every time I see one of those stories in the news where a teacher's been having sex with a student, I immediately think, God, that person is such a scumbag, so gross. How could they ever even imagine that that would be okay or be attracted to a student or whatever? So it's always weird to me when these types of things are put in these teen dramas and, like, you know, placed as these very sexual, like, appropriate... They're more put as dangerous relationships, not abuses of power. I mean, like, I don't think this show has made a judgment call yet, but right now I can tell, like, even in the first episode, that it's not normalized. Okay. Like, everyone, like, had people known... They would have probably been like Archie, come on. But even Archie's having this little crisis. I don't think he sees it as normal. Yeah, but anything anything short of her getting arrested by the end is very abusive and manipulative to me. Yeah, I don't think she's playing the right game here. Mm-mm. And the other thing, wasn't there a reference very early on in the show with Archie getting hot and one of the football jocks saying, oh, did you do something with like a cougar or something? I remember a weird oh, yeah, yeah. cougar line. Yeah, that was there. Um, which didn't really get talked about much until you see this relationship develop between Archie and Grundy. And 
my thing is she seems like such a meek person. Like she seems like a bit of a pushover. She looks like one of those teachers that you could easily manipulate into having your way done instead of her way and not the other way around. When you think of these teacher-student relationships where it's the teacher definitely asserting the power, she just doesn't seem like that. Well, in that case, that would say more about Archie's either power or willingness to submit. Because I think like ugly Archie will call pre this show Archie like maybe because like in the comics, Archie has like a really good moral compass and you always know he's going to do the right thing because that's what the writers want kids or readers to do. So they have to have characters that do that. And uh, I, I feel like he would be completely able to fall under the the grip of Grundy. But I also think Hot Archie might be able to think, oh, like, I can do this now, which is kind of messed up. It's not kind of, it is. But <laughs> I, I don't know. This is complicated. It's very complicated. I, I do love how bad Archie is at hiding what their relationship is at the at the dance he yells don't panic i'm not stalking you like across the gym floor you know in (laughs) in the earshot of many many people and like him like pulling her aside in the hallway when the classes are switching again very very creepy and that that's something you would never see um in a in a a standard student teacher relationship you know i want to ask about betty and veronica that relationship. I feel like that was an important one to nail. James, what moments do you think they did right in that relationship, you know, minus the faux lesbian kissing? I do want to establish that Veronica doesn't move to Riverdale. That's an invented thing. Betty and Veronica have like lived together um, or at least been in the same classes and everything since the beginning. So it's established in the comics that Betty and Veronica are friends and also romantic rivals for Archie's affection. Um, I, I think they nailed it, though, because Veronica in the comics is seen as more uh, of a nice queen and not necessarily a good hearted friend. You can already tell that uh, Veronica's going to screw Betty over uh, you know, she has that suspect air about her and that self-importance. And Betty in the comics is very nice. Too nice. You know, I always get mad when I read the comics and Archie like doesn't pick Betty. And I'm like, but why? Like, she's so <laughs> nice. Yeah. So the Betty character is really fleshed out here. The whole Veronica moving and uh, the weird relationship she has with her mother isn't in the comics as much as it is here. So it'll take more time for me to really see more parallels. But the friendship that's developing here is really unlike the friendship in the comics. I don't know, Megan. I feel like they are... I feel like they're establishing what is the start of a good friendship. It it almost felt um, OC-ish in the... Uh, I can't remember exa- what exactly her name was, but it was Summer and the other girl, and they were competing for Seth Cohen's affections. And, Anna? Or, yeah, Anna. And like he was kind of messing with both of them, and then they turn on him. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, man, that's I kinda, love Anna. That's kind of the friendship that I see developing here, that they're going to do a little turn on Archie eventually. I mean, I see more of kind of a Gossip Girl connection, mm. where 
Betty is almost like the Serena and Veronica is the Blair. And now, that could which be one, interesting. Now, which one is Leighton Meester? Leighton Meester is Blair. Okay. I'm, I'm in. Wait, who's uh, Blake Lively? Isn't she in Gossip Girl? Yeah, she's Serena. Boom. Ah, okay. We nailed them both. Yeah, good job. <laughs> which, which, which one was on the Cobra Starship song? That was Leighton Meester. Boom, baby. <laughs> Love it. Well, you know what? I'm going to throw this aside in. She's actually married to Adam Brody now and has a kid with him. Oh, okay. All right. So teen, so, teen, teen drama people connecting. Who did, um, oh, didn't uh, Ryan Atwood marry somebody like famous or in teen dramas too? I don't think so. I think mm. what came out, he just had a kid with one of his co-stars from Gotham. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I knew it was somebody from TV. I just, I guess I yeah. got my shows mixed up. So, so ter- maybe not so much teen drama, but an actual drama <laughs> drama. Yeah. A superhero drama. So in terms of their friendship, what moments did you see that were encouraging? You know, because I feel like the strong female relationship here is key to the show. Having like a heart and having something other than illicit, possibly illegal, possibly morally gray teacher-student relationships. I think it's a good thing to establish. You don't really see a lot of female characters not wanting to stab each other in the back. Right. And from the start, it was apparent that you could see that there was this tension between Archie and Veronica. And she's this mysterious figure who appears from New York City. Who, roll, sure. who rolls okay. into the chocolate shop with a little red riding hood. Uh, yeah. Get up on. Just further establishing that dark connection. <laughs> but... At the same time, you can see that Betty is wanting to genuinely be her friend. She's a little skeptical. She kind of does see the looks that Archie and Veronica give each other, more so Archie. But she's trying her hardest. And I think it is within the pilot episode where Veronica says she wants to be nicer. She wants to put the New York persona aside and far behind her. And trying to actually be this nice person that people want to be associated with instead of people wanting to gossip about. Well, and, but, Betty, and Betty needs Veronica and that Veronica yeah. is her mouthpiece and is her backbone, which I think is And she's is cool. helping her stand up a little more to Cheryl Blossom. Fuck that bitch. Also, oh <laughs> Cheryl Blossom is like, in the comics, she's like a tertiary like love interest for Archie but she only shows up every once in a while so I I think it's interesting that she's being made like a main character in this show because she she doesn't really exist she's needed they need like an they need an overall antagonist and they need a really okay so how creepy is the twin relationship between her and her brother where they're like so creepy where they're like like holding hands and have white gloves on oh that was like straight up out of a horror film. <laughs> and I'm not one to watch horror films. I'm just making this connection just based off of like, say, the twins in The Shining or whatever. Based off that overhead shot and the fact that they were going for a morning um, boat boat paddle. Yeah, yeah, boat rides in Riverdale. I love boat rides in Riverdale. Oh. Speaking of horror movies, I, I got to give you guys my big theory. OK, so this is my big theory about Betty. I think there might be a psycho thing going on with Betty <laughs> in that. Betty or her mom? Well, them together. So if you know the ending of Psycho, obviously, it's that the hotel owner whose name is somehow not 
available in my mind right now. He has killed his mother, his mother has died, and he is dressing up as his mother. Uh, and Norman having, Bates? Yeah, Norman Bates, and having conversations with himself. And his mother's skeleton is just in his basement. Now, you never, you <laughs> never see Betty's mom outside their house. They're only ever having, like, very contentious, very um, existential conversations up in her bedroom. And nobody ever makes reference to Betty's mom. And she never says, like, oh, well, my mom wants me home by blank, right? So I'm pretty sure that there's a psycho thing where Betty actually killed her mom, like, a couple months before the show started, a murder that's obviously warranted. And now she's talking to herself in those scenes and dressing up in her mom's clothing. Well... That that's, would make sense considering um, her sister Polly is away. Right. At so her the sister's group home. At, her sister's away. Who knows? Maybe she's dead too. I'm just saying Betty might be a crazy <laughs> murderer. <laughs> that you know that would be cool. Not yeah. cool, but like I think it would make sense. And, in the and sense Betty's that, on medication. Yeah, she's at, well Adderall. I didn't know she was yeah, on they, like, they medication. Make, they make a huge deal about it in the show. Oh, did you take your Adderall? Huge music downturn. No. <laughs> um, let's get into some uh, what we just call random notes here. So anything that you guys have, any scenes that you liked, any lines that you liked. James, I'll start with you, and we'll just kind of go around the circle um, with anything else that you wanted to throw in the pot. I love, love, love that Josie and the Pussycats have made an appearance this early. Yes. That was pretty cool. Um, that was cool. Uh, Tegan and Sarah shows up during Spin the Bottle. Mm-hmm. That that's just it. So uh, I do. Wait, I missed that part. What? It's they're not in the show. It's just oh. like boyfriend plays in the background. I thought that right. was good. Now. Okay. In terms of like the style of music Josie and the Pussycats play in like the comics as compared to. The movie, in the movie, they're like a pop-punk band, or and eventually like a pop band. So in the comics, do they play similar music? Because here, the only time they really play, they, they're forced to play that creepy, that creepy-ass cover of like the music their parents were listening to when they conceived the twins. Yeah, that's so weird. <laughs> that's very strange. I was thinking strange. about that, like, why do you want to... Imagine, uh, imagine asking your mom or dad, like, hey, when you guys are fucking to create me, do you remember the song that was playing? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I've made this story up before, so. Oh, yeah. Well, well, Heat of the Moment by Asia was playing. Mine was uh, Pink Floyd. Look it up, wall. everyone. Mine was just yeah. the, the whole Wall album. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> Megan, any random notes? Echoing James, I definitely like the fact that Josie and the Pussycats are in this series. I actually grew up more with that cartoon growing up as a kid. So I'm excited to see what comes to fruition from all of it. Is there is there an Archie cartoon like on Cartoon Network? Yeah, there was. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So here's a little Archie history for you. Archies were an actual band, right? You know the song Sugar Sugar? Okay. I think, is that what it's called? Yeah. The song that's like, yeah, That's what okay. it's called. Sugar, sugar. Yeah, so they had like a song on the radio, but the Archies were a band. Archie played guitar, Jughead played drums, and then Josie and the Pussycats were like rotating members. And um, there was a cartoon in the 60s that propelled the song to be written, kind of like the Monkees TV show. So yeah, there's been a few Archie cartoons, but in recent years, Archie Comics as a company has kind of shut down any you know, outside development, 
which is kind of bad because then they just pull from the archives for all their stuff. But now they do this. So it's kind of a callback to what uh, came before. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Megan? I'm actually liking the music choices in this show. While it's not anything seen on the scale of, say, One Tree Hill and the OC with like a very heavy indie soundtrack, it's definitely more upbeat geared towards teens and definitely more poppy which i like yeah there are some guilty pleasures here they're not breaking any bands but no they're they're fun drops at least american football shows up in episode three so i don't know what you're talking they they play they play live at cheryl's house oh yeah (laughs) now if they play live at cheryl's house james what song would they play there's a specific song that i'm thinking of uh give me the gun (laughs) <laughs> that, that, now, is, did they also sing about ghosts in that one? I don't remember. I feel like there's an American football song on the second record that's a, that has like many references to ghosts. But yeah, Give Me the Gun would be a great one, too. Well, Home is Where the Haunt is, I think, yes. does, too. Home is Where the Haunt is. That was the one I was thinking of. That They would play both of those songs in full, of course. Megan, do you remember when Jack's Mannequin was on One Tree Hill? Ellie Harp recently succumbed to breast cancer. So tonight, we remember her life by trying to save many lives. Because for every ticket you guys have purchased, you all are helping the National Breast Cancer Foundation in their fight against cancer. So give it up for yourselves. Thank you. And also, give it up for Sunkist, who helped make all this happen tonight. All right, now you guys, this next performer had leukemia. He fought leukemia, and he kicked leukemia's ass, and tonight he is here to kick yours. Please give it up for Andrew McMahon and Jack's Mannequin. I do, because that was right after he had finished all his chemo and stuff. Yeah, I think I think it was like the mixtape or something. Or yep, it was, because they had two different mixtape. music videos for that song. The One Tree Hill version and the animated version. The One Tree Hill version had um, Hillary Burton in it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, was she painting her wall? Is that what I remember? I think so. Yeah. And I just remember Andrew and his sweater vests in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what other random notes do you got? I really like the dynamic so far i've been talking about this and it's definitely i don't know i can pull in the parallels from other teen dramas but as i told you when i was watching it i pulled in a parallel from a cinderella story with the other teen drama hunk chad michael murray's character yeah so (laughs) story chad michael murray's character tries to stand up to his dad. He doesn't want to be the football player. He doesn't want to follow in his dad's car wash footsteps and run (laughs) the business. He wants to go to Princeton and write. He wants to be a poet or something. And And he didn't know it until that moment. James. (laughs) (laughs) Call me, Chad. With Archie. Standing up to his dad and saying, hey, I don't know if really football should be my thing. It was your thing. And it led you back to Riverdale. He wants to explore more of the music thing. And I thought that was interesting because you don't actually see this father-son dynamic where it's, hey, I don't want to do what you want to do or want me to do. It's, I want to do this. This is how I see my life going. I don't care. 
And I like that it wasn't as antagonistic, per se, as the relationship between Chad Michael Murray's character and his dad. It's more of an understanding, but there is still some tension building up there. We've got a pretty yeah. big, we've got a pretty big audience for this podcast, and I think the Chad Michael Murray Cinderella movie is going to shoot to the top of the Amazon charts after this. <laughs> Everybody's going to rush out to revisit it. I have a whole bunch of uh, random notes here. I think it's on here. Netflix. I, I do want to talk about oh, one thing. Okay, go ahead, James. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they had to bring up that Veronica's mom and Archie's dad had dated mm. because so you know the they com- can't end up together. Yeah. Mm. But it's it's kind of also sad that Archie's dad is just a perpetually depressed human being. <laughs> I just look at him and I'm like, oh man, who hurts you? Also, Luke, like, also Luke Perry from uh, Beverly Hills 90210. Right, uh, right, true. So, so he's he's had he's had a teen drama history. You know, I, I wanted to quickly talk about the dad thing. First off, this is not a Sandy Cohen situation. He did not leave a um, sizable impact on me. And I hope Luke Perry is good because I feel like in these shows, the parents really are the difference between average and above average for these teen dramas because they always have like a couple huge scenes that mold our main characters and make them do either good or bad, right? Or they're the, basically the moral compasses of the show are the parents. And I hope that uh, Luke Perry ends up being a, a positive asset. Because if not, I feel like the show can be sunk a little bit. I have a whole bunch of notes on like the music versus football. First off, in that argument nowadays, wouldn't everybody just choose music? Like football, you just get your head bashed in, and Will Smith makes that. a movie about you. And Will Smith makes a movie about you. I you love, worry about concussions, right? I love the Archie line. I'm finishing a couple demos tonight. That's the best part. <laughs> and then you like listen to him, and it's like that Sean Mendez song where he's like, "Oh." that's so bad for for demos in an open air cafeteria off your laptop those songs sounded pretty dope yeah just my thoughts they sounded (laughs) way less gritty than a traditional demo really would right um when we're intro to betty and kevin he says take that ginger bull by the horn tonight so that that was the line i was trying to remember yeah uh he also says the term wank bank which I don't. Oh, I. I, I think I, it, saw that. I think it's. A, I think it's called the spank bank. When is it? Have you guys ever heard the term wank bank before? I've heard both. Hmm. I have. Yeah. Okay. He also says a tragic gay bar called innuendo, which I which I laughed at. Um, they make a reference to Blue Jasmine somehow. Justin Gingerlake, which I thought was oh, very very creative. I cracked up at that one. <laughs> uh, in the assembly, whoever does the music for the show was listening to way much. Ex- Way too much explosions in the sky because it's basically oh my a God. Friday Night Lights no, I just music thought there cue. Was a Friday Night Lights parody where it's... yes, I mean I don't think it was meant to be. I think he just likes that style and he just did his best Friday or explosions in the sky. it was like immediate. It was like an immediately recognizable thing. Always will be my soulmate. So I speak with the confidence only a twin could have. Jason wouldn't want us to spend the year mourning. Jason would want us to move on with our lives, which is why I've asked the school board not to cancel the back-to-school semi-formal, but rather to let us use it as a way to heal collectively and celebrate my brother's too-too-short life on this mortal coil. 
Uh, football tryouts. I guess they have to try out every year. I thought that was funny. Um, the line do it in high school too. What what's so weird about that? I don't know. I felt like if you're on the football team, you just like were on the team. But never mind. Uh, I guess you weren't then. I was not on the football team. I quit. <laughs> I quit in seventh grade after the the tackling was just too intense for me. And then I went uh, and then and I went and ran a non-contact sport. So true. Um, Betty already has too much on her plate right now. I love that line. Uh, uh, this whole thing, maybe that reckoning is me. You on it, fire. Sorry, Cheryl Bombshell. I love when they insult somebody by using their Twitter handle. Like, if you're gonna bring up somebody's Twitter handle in a conversation, that's always an insult. Always. Wait, that's an insult. Wait, I, 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 I think so. If you're not referring Wait, to was, them by their proper that was name, her Twitter handle. I missed that. Yeah, Cheryl yeah, Bombshell is her Twitter. They handle. said it like a few times in the show, and. I actually looked it up. It is an active Twitter. Like it is linked with Riverdale. Yeah. But I love augmented reality shit. It's great. I think when I looked it up, there was one tweet and it was right before the premiere. Lame. And the Cheryl Bombshell account is literally following two accounts. Her actress Her brother and no. a James Twin e. Sex Support Group. Oh my god. Yeah, it's uh following cw's the riverdale and madeline petch i think that's how you say her last name if you're gonna flesh yeah Mm. if you're gonna flesh out a twitter account at least you know make some connections with other characters james i feel like i feel like that's your dream job right there like how degrassi did degrassi did that was there a is there a twitter account for the drake character (laughs) <laughs> for Jimmy, <laughs> yeah, I think Jimmy's era was well before the age of Twitter. Uh, I love this line by Luke Perry. He says, "Football takes you to college. College takes you to business school." Wait, what? <laughs> Is it? Isn't college business school? I never understood. Like, the, yeah, isn't business school in college? That's what, that's what I thought, and I, I just didn't get why Archie was supposed to be. Yes, he has nice abs, but. I didn't understand how he was supposed to be like this top flight college football recruit all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, I didn't get that either because okay. he's not as big as Reggie or Moose. And no. he's like, he's I don't like, know. He's, you like, have to he's s- still a pretty small kid. Like, he, I don't know what position he plays. Nothing at this point. <laughs> um, Watch him be the quarterback. When Oh, he'll definitely be the quarterback. When Archie shows up at the dance, he doesn't have his shirt tucked in. That was like the what biggest. What a scrub. Tuck your fucking shirt in. And the I J- didn't even notice that. The, J- the James Franco mentioned, I like that. I like that Moose has a huge wiener. And that they mentioned <laughs> it a couple times. Oh, my gosh. That's so good. <laughs> I love that the diner is straight out, of, uh, straight out of drive. And that it's so neon colored. And I think I think that's all for the red. I, I liked in the beginning when they were like, Riverdale is wholesome. And then you see a comic book store. As to signpost that, yeah, this is a comic book universe. Uh, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I knew when they unveiled the Riverdale sign, that was like another heavy Twin Peaks reference. Like they're they're really trying to be Twin Peaks here, and that's the major comparison point that I see. But personally, like somebody actually being someone that watched Twin Peaks, I don't really get why that's the other than like a murder in the first episode like in the tiny community that's really the only reference points that are the same i mean twin peaks goes supernatural and i don't think that this is going to end up being a ghost story like i think this is a washed out crime story 
and, but mostly about people that are kissing each other and losing their virginity. Like, I, I, don't, I don't see them having the guts to go, like, supernatural. So I don't know why everybody's comparing it to Twin Peaks. Is it weird that I got a Stranger Things vibe when Moose and Kevin di- er, discovered the body? Because I totally got a Stranger Things vibe at the end with all of that. I think, I mean, there is a scene where somebody, doesn't somebody discover what's-his-face's body and then it ends up just being like a stuffed shell of him? Yeah, that's why I'm like, okay, Stranger Things, you've ruined me. I'm fully expecting this to be a fake and Jason's still alive and, oh boy. I just just don't see how they go from like this where they're dropping like Tegan and Sarah (laughs) to like a show where there's like ghosts and shit or like supernatural elements or aliens or whatever. Like, in the end, this is just an extremely colorful, like, energetic pilot where all the characters are hot. None are really outright bad actors, which usually happens in these pilots. There's somebody that's always, like, terrible. And I think it sets up something really intriguing with the arrest that's going ha- to happen in the next episode. Of course, as Twin Peaks tells us, the first arrest is never the arrest. It's usually, like, the town bad boy who has a bad rep. So, but again, I don't see those comparisons. But I do like this pilot. I think that at times it's a style over over substance, but they have to kind of establish the palette of the show. Um, they have to establish the pacing. And I think that's going to be key for people that kind of obsess over this. Yeah, I mean, it grabbed me more than a pilot of any other show I've seen recently. I was, I was actually hooked. And of course, with the end, with the Betty and Archie little dramatic oh my god do you love me thing archie is such a bitch in this show oh that hit me right in the feel so i was that was so bad you could they're like all dressed up and you can just see that wide shot uh. <laughs> um what is what is um what does archie say to betty it's like oh, i can't give I'll, you the answer you want i'll never yeah. be good enough for you that is a whack excuse son that is like the excuse you use when you definitely don't like the girl and you're trying to like blame them for it you're like too good for me. Yeah, that's always a whack excuse. So no. okay, it hit me in the feels. I'm sorry that I no, feel no. too much. It's okay that uh, you're feeling go that. Go tumble about it. I'm I'm okay. attacking Archie, the character, and his. Yeah, his I mean, excuses. like that was your standard. Okay, and Betty knows it. She ain't no chump. Yeah, it was. Hey, I just want to be friends with you, but you know, Betty I'm is sorry. like the girl who would date Moose, not knowing he was gay. And yeah. him and Moose and Kevin would be doing it behind her back, and she would be totally clueless. Poor Betty. Hey, don't put that on Betty. <laughs> don't you uh, put that on Betty. I would say the energy here is on par with like the OC, though. And I feel like they're going to pack as much, as much action into these 13 episodes as what the OC used to do, because that show would fucking like pack plots inch by oh inch. There would be so, so, many so much that would happen over like four or five episodes. It was like amazing that all the plot I remember from that show all happened in the first season. And I feel like that's like Riverdale's fate is that just so much is going to happen in these shows that they might run, they does. might run out quickly. It does have OC potential for me, honestly. I straight up love this. It has no Ryan Atwood. That's the big problem. It has no like certified cool ass no, bad boy. There's no super adorable nerdy guy. There's no. There's Dilton Doily. Fuck you don't him. Know where he's been. Fuck him. I don't know who that is. <laughs> he was introduced in the beginning as the 
kid who was leading the Riverdale Boy Scouts mm. and they discovered the body or something, or they discovered Cheryl sitting on the river's edge being like, my boyfriend's dead. And then, <laughs> Wait, you mean your twin? Yeah, I guess. Oh, slip of the tongue. <laughs> Literally. <sighs> okay, so let's get into some reviews. The AV Club gave it a B plus. They said, as a pilot episode, Chapter 1, The River's Edge, does the job of making the audience want to sit and watch these characters on a weekly basis. It remains to be seen if it will live up to its many influences, but it certainly has a lot going for it from the start. Birth Movies Death says, I loved every part of the pilot. The Twin Peaks, the Dawson's Creek, the Archie. Again, there's no Twin Peaks in this, except a Dawson, dead body. Dawson's Creek, though. Yeah, definitely some Dawson's Creek, especially with the good girl and the slightly bad girl and the conflict. And Scientology the looming over Katie Holmes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like At least there's no bad theme song to get stuck in your head forever. What, what, what is said, the theme to Archie? Did, there, was, that... there was no title sequence in this one, right? There is in the middle. It's like oh, it's they like establish a, the yeah, scene. It's like a cold after. open, yeah. and then it's like Riverdale. And then there is a theme song, Ooh. and it's like really weird in tone based on the series. It's like very cheery, like something out of The Sims 3. I don't get it. The fact that Josie and the Pussycats don't do the intro is a tragedy. But anyways, this review says it's a gorgeous, colorful, interesting, sexy, spooky new series, and it's a pity we all have to wait until 2017 to see any more of it. I believe this was a review... Uh, when they aired the pilot probably a few months ago or something, or at Comic-Con or something like that. So that's why it has that post-reference. Uh, but yeah, any any final thoughts before we wrap up? We are right around that 46 minutes um, that the show actually runs, so we're kind of perfectly timed here. I don't know. I... For more shirtless Archie. Oh, yeah, baby. Arms, his abs. <laughs> My God. Give us that ginger, uh, what is it called again? Give me that ginger it. snap, baby. <laughs> snap. <Ow! laughs> you might become my uh, second favorite ginger now. Who's your favorite? That would be Rayson Bowden, Olympian fencer and J. Crew model. <laughs> hubba, hubba. James, who's your favorite ginger? I think that's the only way we can finish this episode off. It can be um, girl or guy. Uh, 2008 era Haley Williams. But, uh, Damn, son. <laughs> Was that 2008? When did Riot come out? 2007? That's a deep, 2007. That, that's a deep pull right there, but I dig it. But my final thought is when I went to the RTHQ and they were working on promo for Riverdale and they were like, yeah, this show's going to blow your mind. And it did. I like this show. It's got a lot to work on, but, you know, I don't really watch TV and it's like original run, but this should be one of the shows that I do. Favorite gingers. Um, it's a it's a it's a very close tie between Glenn Hansard. Uh, is Glenn Hansard <laughs> and a ginger? Solely in a wig. <laughs> uh, no, um, Ron Weasley, but buff Ron Weasley, like when he makes the um, the Quidditch team and Emma Stone. So you know, I want oh. I wanted to pick one from both sides. Um, my my final thoughts. I'm excited. I'm gonna try to get Courtney into this show because I know she'll get obsessed with it, and then I'll have to watch it and. I want to have to watch this because I, I probably won't watch it like on my own if I'm left to my own devices. So it's going to have to be put on the wife for responsibility. For sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for joining me. Sure. James, now I'm going to go watch more of this show. This is both. <laughs> this is both your first times, right? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to have you back. James, I know that you've got a very special pilot that you want to discuss. Oh, yeah. Megan, when we do One Tree Hill expect a message from me 
Okay. <laughs> uh, any um, any plugs you want to do, James? Where can where can they find you on Twitter? At get cerebral, you'll notice me by the verified check mark. And Megan, where can they find you? You can find me at at Megan with an underscore after my name because I was an idiot in high school and decided, hey, I want to be cool and edgy and have an underscore and never be able to actually use my first name. That is very edgy and it's M-E-G-H-I-N. Right. Just, just so everybody knows. And of course, you can find us at, at Pilot Study Pod and you can email us at pilotstudypod at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Oh.